Well, hello and welcome to the final episode of our Christmas devotional series, looking at some of the characters in the birth narrative of Jesus as described by Matthew. My name is Sarah and I'm going to be talking a little bit about Herod. In many ways, this is a depressing place to end our series. I think we often try to avoid talking too much about Herod, the baddie of the story. But looking closer at Herod reminds us that Jesus actually was not born into the sparkly, peaceful world of Christmas cards and nativity scenes. Herod is not just a comic book baddie. Jesus was born into a world full of political strife and corruption, persecution, fear and pain. On the surface, there is a huge cultural gap between our world and first century Judea. But in the deeper ways, it's really no different. I love many things about the Christmas season, but I increasingly find that the hope of Jesus is magnified when we take into account the pain and suffering of the story rather than moving quickly past it. The story of Herod is recorded in Matthew chapter 2. Bunker preached through this chapter recently, and if you've not listened to it, I recommend you do at some point. It'll be available wherever you're listening to this or on the Grace Church Nottingham website. The narrative of Matthew 2 goes between the Magi, the wise men, Herod and Jesus and his family. And we're looking at Herod, but the story is interwoven into other events. I won't read the whole chapter, so you might want to pause now and read it if you're able to. Who is this Herod? King Herod, also known as Herod the Great, was the ruler of Judea, and we meet him towards the later part of his reign. This is not the same Herod as we see during Jesus' adult life as Herod Antipas, that's Herod's son. Herod the Great was king of Judea when Jesus was born, the land of the Jewish people. But he was not a Jew. He was essentially a puppet ruler for the Roman Empire, and he was despised by many Jewish people. Early in his reign, he was politically savvy and quite successful. He oversaw building projects. He had a talent for city planning. He massively refurbished the temple in Jerusalem. However, as his rule went on, he grew increasingly paranoid, cruel and violent. He was known for massacres, having some of his own wives and sons killed in brutal ways. While we should read his actions in this chapter as truly shocking, they are also entirely in keeping with what we know about his character. And so we see what happens. A group of magi, travellers from the east, come to Jerusalem and tell Herod that they are here to see the new king of the Jews, where these men have responded in faith and travelled miles to worship this new king. Herod responds in fear for his own position. He calls the religious leaders and asks them where the Messiah was to be born. And I find this moment so tragic Leaders interpret the scriptures correctly, find the right passage to say where the Messiah will be born. And they have these men in front of them who are a sign that the nations are coming to worship the Messiah, just as was promised. They have all the right information, and yet they miss the point so entirely. Instead of wonder or excitement, this age-old promise of a saviour was being fulfilled in their time, We're told that Herod and all Jerusalem, which usually means the religious leaders, were disturbed and troubled by the news. What a missed invitation to join in with the salvation story that is happening right under their noses. And what a reminder to us that we can understand the words of scripture accurately, and yet we are missing out. 
if we don't respond in worship and by taking up our opportunity to be with Jesus. Herod is beyond troubled. We see a deceitful man who takes advantage of what we can assume is the generally trusting nature of the Magi who have come. He asks them to tell him where to find the young boy. And we know, of course, that this is not so he can worship, as he tells the Magi, so he can destroy this apparent threat to his power. Opposition to Jesus does not wait until Jesus is an adult. It's there right from birth, alongside the shepherds and angels and wise men. But God intervenes. The might of a powerful empire and the sly deception of the regional ruler do not get in the way of God's plans and purposes. We're told that the Magi are instructed in a dream not to tell Herod where Jesus is. And we're told that Joseph is visited by an angel and told to flee Egypt. Jesus and his family become refugees, escaping danger in their homeland. Herod, presumably not knowing that Jesus and his family have fled the country, responds to the Magi, leaving by having all the baby boys in the region who could be the right age some commentators call these the first Christian martyrs. The birth of Jesus is kind of tainted by this narrative of persecution, weeping, murder, <laughs> uncertainty. And yet it is exactly this that makes the hope of Jesus so necessary and so beautiful. Early readers would immediately recognise the actions of Herod as echoing the stories in Exodus where Pharaoh kills all the young Jewish boys in order to protect his own position. We would also remember that this story goes on to tell of God providing a saviour who would lead the people out of their slavery and into a promised land. That saviour was Moses, and yet the story doesn't really finish there. For generations, the people have been waiting for the promised true and better saviour one who would bring lasting freedom and an eternal promised land. And here we see in the birth of Jesus, a promise being fulfilled, not in a military warrior or a Roman king, but in a little boy whose family flee persecution in the night. I'm not much one for sending Christmas cards. Many of my family and friends are much, much better than me at sending cards in the post. I've already received some for this year. And there's always the split between the more winter festivity style with snowy scenes or robins or trees or comical Santas and the overtly Christian one, a joy to the world or hope of the world with pictures of stars and shepherds and angels or a mother holding a baby. I wonder how it would shape our view of Christmas if our cards started depicting scenes of a family fleeing a massacre or a multi-generational group of asylum seekers trying to find a house or a young parent mourning the loss of their child. Christmas can often seem disconnected with real world events, and it can seem gloomy or like you're ruining the magic to start talking about things like refugees or the loss of children or personal difficulties. But that is the world that Jesus was born into, a gritty world with joy and celebration, yes, but also with suffering and uncertainty. Jesus is not disconnected from real life. It was our real lives that he came to save. He truly is the light of the world, the one who brings light into the darkness. We remain in a gritty reality. 
we're told later in the New Testament that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual forces at work in the world. The real world present day Herods are not our true enemy. Like us, they are ones Jesus came to save. But we still see evidence every day of the darkness in our world. There are ongoing reports of conditions in refugee camps. And the news has once again shown that men, women and children have died whilst trying to seek safety elsewhere. And once again, we are facing a Christmas of uncertainty where we're learning every day something new that makes us question what's going to be a good idea? What will we be allowed to do? Who will we be allowed to see? What might change? And I truly hope that I will be able to see my family this Christmas. And the same for you, if those are your plans. Like Mary, Joseph and Jesus, our immediate future is uncertain. And these are the global events. Many of us may have personal circumstances that might somewhat detract from merriment. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, the one who identifies with his people. He is the true light of the world that the darkness cannot overcome. He is the good king who gave up glory and migrated to messy earth, who came not to be served like the kings of the world, but to serve. He knows what it is to suffer in all the ways we do. He does not return violence with violence, but came with a message of peace, hope, and love, not in the abstract, but for those facing very real persecution and pain. He is the one who overcame evil and death by taking it all upon himself, who rose so that we would one day be with him forever, and who will one day come back and make all things right. And we still await that day, but he has promised that he will return and will be with us as we wait. So I hope you enjoy this season, whatever that looks like for you. And those of you who feel excitement, I really hope your joy may be magnified in knowing the true joy that comes from Jesus. But those of you who are feeling like this pain, this season is painful or uncertain, know that it is precisely this that Jesus speaks hope and light into you. Those of you who are working at times you would rather not be, I hope you know Jesus as Emmanuel, God with you in the midst of your very real life. I pray we all would know the very real hope of Jesus, the light of the world, Emmanuel, not just for Christmas, but into next year as well.